Greetings, I'm Keith Klein, the host of the VentureFist podcast, where I interview the most fascinating people in the tech scene. This is episode 199. Yes, we're almost up to 200, which will be released next week. But today's guest is Nash Ahmed, founder and CEO of Undock. Let's schedule some time to meet is a common phrase that you'll hear multiple times a day. Sounds simple, but it's really not, especially the more people who are involved. It starts an endless amount of back and forth to coordinate schedules. It's a problem that affects everyone, and there have been attempts to solve this problem with things like online scheduling tools, but no one has gotten it right. There has to be a better way, and this is exactly the way of thinking that led Nash down the path of starting Undock. The company is on a mission to connect the world's calendars and dramatically change the future with predictive scheduling. Undock recently announced $1.6 million in funding from investors like Lightship Capital, Bessemer Venture Partners, Lara Hippo, Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital, and many more. In this episode of our podcast, we cover lots of great topics, like why startups should think bigger when it comes to launching products and advice on planning a launch event, Nash's background story, including his time as a music producer, and then moving into the role as CEO at Viperbox, a deep dive into Undock and how the product works, plus some interesting insights about the bigger vision of the company, hiring advice for startups, and so much more. Okay, quick side note. We recently launched a new video section on VentureFizz. Based on all the great video content that we've been creating, it was time that these videos had their own home on VentureFizz. You'll find all the episodes from our two flagship series, that being CXO Briefing and Inside, where you can filter based on job category, location, or industry. Our goal for this section is to help you with your job search by discovering companies and learning about their culture. Plus, you'll also find lots of tips and advice for advancing your career too. Make sure you check it out by going to VentureFizz.com backslash videos. All right, without further ado, here's my interview with Nash. Nash, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Keith. So we're going to talk about Undock, which is, uh, well, we're going to talk about your background, of course, and Undock, which is, I'm excited to hear about the vision. Like there's, you had uh, a launch event. Now, when I think about companies, uh, product hunt is kind of like the go-to when you launch a new product, you put it up on uh, product hunt and you try to get as many people as possible to hopefully, you know, upvote it, comment, and it spikes up interest and it's all exciting. But you, as an earlier stage startup, decided to do something that Apple does, Amazon does, you know, it's just not uh, usually startup type of launch events. And you did this full on massive production that I watched yesterday and it was amazing. It was so (laughs) fun to watch. So what advice would you have to startups on building a buzz for a product? Cause you, you went, you went, you know, you went for, for it all. You threw like, like we're going for this. Yeah, uh, that was the goal of that event was to, you know, announce that the product has arrived, that the product is ready and get as many eyeballs on it as possible. And as a startup, like that's the biggest challenge you have is getting eyeballs on your product, no matter how brilliant it is or how functional it is, useful, how much time, how much money it saves. If no one knows about it, then you're still at zero, right? So um, we decided to throw that uh, launch event um and our product is actually really visual. So something we learned in our customer discovery phase is we would talk about the product, we would talk about the problems, and we would talk about our solution. And they're like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. It's interesting. The second we demo it for someone, they just go, wow. And then we have them install it. And then we say, hey, have two other people install this on your team. And then they use it again. They go, wow. So for me, 
that is the aha moment even before you touch the product. So if I can show you the aha moment visually in a very theatric fashion, then you're going to love the product. You're going to try the product and you're going to use the product and you're going to remember the product. This space is very, very crowded. Um, the scheduling space that has been crowded. Um, the meeting space uh, has seen some players jump in maybe like last two or three years, see a lot of startups in that space. But particularly during the pandemic, everyone has a video conferencing product or a different solution for solving remote work and all these other things. So there's definitely a lot of noise out there. So finding a way to uh, separate yourself was important. And then finally, uh, we are a, a, a space themed company. So we are going to have repeated launches. That was just, I hope people caught the nuance there. We called it Undock One because that is the first of many. So we'll have another one in January where we introduce more products. So like the Apples of the world, they do this big event yearly. And then others are very quiet about their, their you know, launch announcements. It's just like push a feature. We're going to be somewhere in between where it's like there's a step change here between the product you were using yesterday and a product that you're going to use today. So we had the event and we timed it perfectly with the release of our new scheduling, which we haven't talked too much about yet. Our new scheduling, which works directly inside of your email and it functions like autocomplete. So we had a private beta version and then we were working on a new version based off of customer feedback. We waited till November 12th to release it and it's twice as good and twice as easy to use. And that's what we want to do. So we'll have that event and then the software you've been using and you love or you heard about or maybe not have heard about that you're being introduced to, we're tying some great feature functionality to it. Now what's amazing about today's world, like I've been doing this podcast, you can record videos, we do video production at VentureFizz, yeah. but it's definitely on a shoestring budget. Like I, we don't have you know video production crews and editors, teams of editors. Everything is mainly shot over Zoom and we use basic tools. Like we, we switched to Adobe finally, but we were iMovie for the longest time. So it's just basic. So what you did, the production value of what you did was incredibly high, yet you were able to pull it off very simply, right? As far as the actual creation. Yeah, I paid a couple of guys. They have a, a, a firm, a flywheel film. Um, so I won't talk about the budget, but it was very, very, very affordable, uh, extremely affordable to film it. And then I've been making and tinkering around with video editing and animation and all our stuff for a very long time. Uh, so I just put together the video myself, start to end from the, the sound production, sound effects, music. Uh, there's some vocals in there that you hear that are mine. Some are like samples from like JFK and uh, the Apollo space launch, um, all the transitions, all their stuff. Just put it together over a weekend and then stretched into the next day. Uh, but it's fun for me to do it. And I do have that, that skill set. So it's really good to be able to do that on a shoestring. Really, literally, no one would believe the amount that we did not spend on producing uh, this video. <clears throat> and then the exciting part about me is like I'm writing this script. And I get to make my product, which is right now, scheduling, sound really exciting. So I'm like, okay, how can I talk about this in a nice, fun, exciting way? And I got to do that for, you know, seven or eight minutes. So it was pretty cool. Well, I think you're starting a trend that we're going to see of more startups doing these types of launch <laughs> events because it is something you pull off and you can record it. It's not like you actually have to do it live anymore. So, uh, well, let's let's rewind the clock about you. So, so talk about your background. Like, where did you grow up? What were you like as a child? Sure. Um, I was born in Nigeria. I grew up in New Jersey from like age one and a half until 35. 
So pretty much New Jersey boys, uh, Central Jersey uh, mostly. I moved to North Jersey uh, about 12, 13 years ago, moved to North Jersey. And um, I've always been into business, right? So, you know, 15, 16, I kind of had it in my, I, my mind that I'm going to be a businessman. That's what I was calling it back then. I was like, I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm going to have a business. All right. right. Um, and then as far as uh, profession, uh, I wasn't sure exactly where I was going to fall, but I knew I wanted it to be something in technology. So instead of getting like a business or accounting degree, I went and got a computer science degree. Right. Uh, so I am, uh, I'm, People call themselves computer scientists. I don't think so. Uh, maybe they do. Uh, I do have a degree in computer science. And then I, I after graduating, I delved into web development, uh, web design, uh, graphic design, and kind of like had this five-year period of just mainly freelancing it. And I think that period of like just discovering my talent was really transformative for me. And then my first... Uh, practical application of that was I joined a, a company and there was like three people at the company and they used no software. I was like, ha, hmm. I got this. Right. So I started automating everything. Some stuff I built myself, some stuff I built like the most extensive version of Salesforce that many people at Salesforce had ever seen. Like we had, we grew the company at that point when Salesforce started reaching out to me, I think we had like seven or eight employees on Salesforce. And they're like, your Salesforce is more decked out than the enterprise companies that we have. Can you come speak at Dream? They're using me as a prop. They're like, can you come speak at Dreamforce to show people that you can have an enterprise Salesforce completely decked out, even if you only have a few employees? I'm like, that's probably not practical because unless one of your employees knows how to code, you're not going to be able to build this version of your Salesforce. But anyway, that really got me interested in, in software and not just software for the sake of software, but literally solving problems. I'd see like, oh, we have this problem, spent a little time implementing software, implementing automation. We no longer have this problem. And I, th I think everywhere I found a chance to do that for the next three or four years, uh, that's what I did. Well, I did want to talk about, you know, there, there was a point in time where you were a music producer, which, you know, looking <laughs> back at my career, I love what I do now. But if there was something that I watched way too much MTV growing up as a kid. I probably should have pursued, but I didn't really know how to pursue something in music. So, you know, no regrets. But if there was a career path that I probably would have enjoyed checking out, I don't know if I yes. would have lasted. It was it was that. So talk about your 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 time there. Yeah, I I almost made it a thing. Cause you know, you always hear. So there's a couple of books that I read very early on in college. And one of them that really stuck with me was uh, Good to Great. But there's a lot of books that talk about like doing things that you love and making that your profession. And I was I discovered music really in high school a little bit tinkering, but in college like oh like I I like playing the piano, I like playing the drums, I like the guitar. Like can I just do this all the time? I I, I can sit there in a jam session for 12 hours and not get tired of it. So why don't I make this my career? And I started producing in college very lightly. We started working with some pretty good artists, well known, um, signed to like major labels and whatnot. And then after graduating, I said, you know, what? I'm going to give this a go. I'm going to see what I can do here with the music thing. Right. Um, and it went the way it goes for most people in the music industry. And this wasn't for uh, a lack of talent. Like my group was very talented. Like I said, we produced for a lot of people. It's just a crapshoot. Right. So some people, 
you'll you'll hear like you always have your your own somebody called it your your personal private artist that you're like this person's really good why aren't they famous right so that's always the challenge mm -hmm. uh, so after about two years I had a moment or really an inciting incident where like I flew out to California I just stayed there waiting to produce this album and it just never happened and it was going to be a really good project for us and after that I was like all right hobby not a profession hobby <laughs> and then i moved on i came up here started my uh mba then got this position and back into the business world yeah and, and then so you were with a, a company called viper box and then eventually you led that company so what what was that all about uh they started off selling to telecommunications hardware and I, I planned to stay at the company for three months i was like i'm gonna take a job has to have marketing in the title has to be something tech related because i want to eventually you know, work my way up there and I'm going to stay here for three months. And I'm going to move to the next position. That's my, that's my plan. And I was offered an executive level position at a company with three people. I'm like, okay, not sure what that means, but let's give it a go. And that was like my first chance at, you know, growing uh, a really small business into a, a much bigger business. But I was not interested in selling hardware. Like no, nowhere in my, in my uh, mind was uh, making a really big business out of hardware. I'm like, ah, it's really challenging. This is like 2010, 2011. I wrote a manifesto for my uh, boss at the time, soon to be partner saying that uh, number one, if you do want me to work here uh, or stay here and become an executive, I'm telling you, I'm extremely opinionated Right. And I think a lot of the things that we do are wrong. And I'm also telling you that this business that you've been running this industry that you've been in for 10 years is going to die. Right. You can't in an Amazon world. And this is 2010 and 11. I'm like in an Amazon world, like it's not there now. They don't sell this stuff now, but they will. Or some other marketplace will pop up or some player is going to figure out how to do it online and your business is going to die. And I set out a couple of strategies for, you know, making that business survive in the, you know, Amazon apocalypse. And then part of it was, a, I won't go into the details. Part of it was a different strategy about how we sell and distributed hardware. And the other one was moving into services and more technical services. So you can, you know, people are always going to need services. There is no, there's, and it's so true now, even today in 2020, there's no conglomerate services business for, IT tech, like it just doesn't exist. I don't know why, maybe because it's hyper local, right? So like there's no one single restaurant chain that's killing all these restaurant chains. It's probably gonna be the same thing for IT and all these other types of uh, AV, audio visual and all, all that stuff. So we moved into uh, that, which led into us getting to all sorts of crazy projects like airports doing uh, security for like over the Lincoln tunnel cameras. And like, this is just a lot of uh, wild, interesting things but I learned a lot. I saw a lot of different types of customers, customer demands. I saw the thing that I took away most from that experience, still generally small company. Sometimes I'm the person selling. Sometimes I'm the person implementing and the conversations are so different, Keith. It's like the person that you're selling it to is like, oh yeah, can I do this, 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 and that, and then put this over here and I have this, or this, 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 this. That's the person you're selling. The person that actually ends up at the end of the day using whatever it is just like i need to do this and this where's the button for that and where's the button for that 
And that like reverberates through me all the time when I'm building the product. And if you like sit in our product sessions, I mean, mostly it's like me building the product where I have to work with design or whatnot. I'm like, no, there can't be four options there. There needs to be one, but, but you have to figure out a way. There needs to be one option. When this gets in front of the user, this needs to be the simplest thing they've ever seen. And that comes from the talking to the sales or the people that are buying and then talking to the people when you're implementing it. And I think that's, I know that's a huge reason the way our, the reason our product works the way it does. Now, before, uh, you know, you starting to really focus on Undock, you had some other businesses before, right? Because you did have like a whole, um, you were, you were buying a lot of domains and thinking about different business ideas. So what were your, some of your favorite domains or business ideas that you had? Uh, yeah. I, I bought a total of 49 domains over like three years and didn't start almost any of those businesses. And I'll get into the iterative process I took uh, afterwards. But um, my favorite one by name is probably Rendezvous. I was very happy when I came up with that name. But now I'm looking back like three years later, I'm like, that's kind of a terrible name. Like no one's going to be able to spell it. Nobody understands it. But it was Rendezvous, but spelled Rendezvous. And it was about interviews, it was interview software which would be perfect right now. So it was saying that you don't need to have 90% of your meetings or your interviews in person. So mm-hmm. go to a hundred percent online. And then I won't get into it too much because I've collapsed part of that product into undock, okay. but you don't need to schedule most of those interviews either. Mm. And that's a unique uh, wrinkle that I'll get into at a, another time when it's unveiled inside of undock, which is again, a scheduling product. So that one was very interesting. Uh, there was another one called Patched HQ, which I actually registered and incorporated both an LLC and a corporation before I did Undock because I was just as convinced that that was going to be a big business. There was only one real player in the space at that time, Managed by Q. And then uh, Eden.io, which I think now owns Managed by Q, was another one in the space. But it was the idea that, again, there exists no dominant player in the services business for businesses, services business for businesses. So um, I had a, a unique idea about how to solve that. Um, and that came from like, the, the story I always tell is that Tesla, we had to service a Tesla location and we were so busy that we kept canceling and rescheduling and pushing off for two months and Tesla never called anyone else, right? So that seems like a problem for the customer and it seems like a problem for the industry. And I had a, a solution, I still have a solution that I think could address that. And it borrows a little bit from the managed by Q model, but uh, I'd, I'd had a, a different approach. Uh, but those are, were two of my, my favorites, but there was a total of 49 domains. And then I made a fictitious portfolio website called uh, Walderstone. Again, this gets into like, you know, growth mindset and, and you know, making models and stuff for yourself, but it was a fictitious portfolio site called Wallerstone. And I put all of my top 15 ideas. I went and made logos for, I think four or five, six of them. I made landing pages for a few of them and then taglines for all of them. So in my mind, I'm like, these businesses already exist in the world. And then I go out and I live in the world. I'm like, well, this would come and play here. This would come and play here. A lot of people will use this one. I mean, this one seems cute, but how do you make money over there? And that's how I ended up now right down to like three ideas. One of them was Patch. The other one was Undock. The other one was Rendezvous. And I, again, I started Patch first because I was like knee deep in it, like living that every day. 
And I started Undock a few months later, or incorporated Undock a few months later. And Rendezvous, I never ended up starting. Like I said, I'm going to fold bits of that into Undock. Well, that's a perfect segue. Let's let's yeah. talk about Undock. So we've been right. hinting at some of what you guys do. But so what, what led you down the path to solve this problem? And, and what, what are you actually doing? So what led me down the path, and I'll be super brief about it, is You've heard all the stories here. I was running multiple businesses at the same time. I was also in real estate. I was still doing music production for a couple of people. So I was extremely busy and managing my time became completely untenable. And the inception moment was I'm in my office and I'm on a call and I have a call on hold and a literal line of employees forms outside of my door. And I say, that's a problem for me. It's a problem for them. Fix it. Look for software. Nothing exists. I think my first thing is, all right, I'm just going to build something. I bought an Arduino board, hooked up some LED lights, was going to work on that. And I said, no, I'm going to use a Raspberry Pi, then connect it to the internet and then show it on my, and I was like, no, actually not for my people in my office, for everyone, everywhere. And anyway, long story short, through multiple iterations, I was solving real-time availability. Am I free now? Is Keith free now for a conversation, email, meeting, or whatever it may be, or is he or she busy on something else? That's what I was solving for. Uh, we took some of those principles. So we were building just that for like six months, and then we were about four to six months. And then we said, well, calendaring is the same thing as real-time availability. I'm getting like too uh, nuanced in there, but, but there's not much difference between is somebody free right now and then the calendaring landscape. Mm -hmm. So. I need, I need to know, is Keith free on November 27th at 2 p.m.? Because I'm also free at that time. What's the quickest way I can find that out? The quickest way is not a booking page. The quickest way is not calendar sharing. The quickest way is not exchanging information back and forth over email. The quickest way is Keith has a, a, a program. I have a program. The program talks to each other, tells either me or Keith that 2 p.m., November 27th, is the best time. I don't need to see your calendar. I don't need to see your booking page. I don't need to know how busy you are. I don't need to know how free you are. Just get me to that mutual free slot as soon as possible. And that's actually the easier problem. So I, I parallel the problem we started off with as the last mile problem. So last mile is the hardest part of delivery and it's the most complex part of delivery. So is what we were working on with that real-time solution. And I think it was pretty good. Had a lot of pieces to it, but the easier part of that, the further in the future you need to schedule said meeting or conversation or interaction, the easier it becomes for us to deduce an optimal time for that. And we just let our algorithms run haywire on all the calendars in the world and figuring out that time for one person, two people, five people, 10 people, 20 people, 150 people, a thousand people, it doesn't matter. And that's the, the genesis of it. But I didn't get into the direct portion of what we released right now, which is this beautiful suggestion that you get for a meeting time works directly in line inside of your email. And it works just like autocomplete, which I think has been rolled out for pretty much everyone on both Gmail and Outlook. You're typing a sentence, you write hi, it autocompletes the person you put into the, the email body. You write, hey, would love to. And it's, you saw the subject was follow up and say, would love to. And it autocompletes follow up. And then you press tab and it inserts it. That's the way the scheduling works. You say, hey, Keith, it was nice uh, chatting with you last month. Let's connect again next week. All right, so you type next week. I'm gonna show you some suggestions for next week. Uh, well, I'm the one typing here in this case. It's gonna show me some suggestions for next week right there. 
And if you are also on Undock, it will check your calendar, not just your calendar, but your preferences and your scheduling behavior. It's going to look at what your calendar looks like and what time is Keith likely to accept based off of everything we know about him? What time are you likely to accept based off of everything we know about me or you in that case? And let's just make that suggestion. And in an instant, we make that first suggestion for you before you can blink. Right. And then the idea is if you want to insert multiple times, we'll give you other suggestions on other days and we give you complete control of inserting these suggestions. But if you were not on the platform without going too much into detail, we'll look at, OK, when is the last time that you met with Keith? OK, you met with Keith. What time? Is it? One o'clock. All right. Let's fulcrum our suggestions around that one o'clock meeting time. So let's not suggest you know, a 7 a.m. meeting or 7 p.m. meeting, because we know at some point, 1 p.m., we have that, that data set. What time is, I, I can't go too much into how we do it, but there, there's a lot of things we can do for, uh, we can also check like your time zone. So I'll know that you're in uh, New York, or I'll know you're in Tokyo, or I'll know you're in London based off your time zone from the email conversation. So I'll say, let me not suggest, even though you have, or I have no knowledge I don't have to think about it. No knowledge that you're emailing me from Tokyo. I pull up the, the window. It's going to suggest we probably meet on either edge of the day because Tokyo is 12 hours. It's going to say, hey, you probably want to suggest your earliest meeting or your latest meeting because either way, it's going to be 12 hours away. And you don't have to think about that. And imagine that scenario when there's five people, two in California, two in New York, and one in London. What do you do in that case? You think about it. And then you send times back and forth or you back do, and forth, do back polls and forth. or all this other stuff. And eventually we want to get to a place where I won't talk too much about our, our product methodology, but um, we'll get to a place where it will not make sense for a knowledge worker, a person that's meeting with other people in this global network to, to at the very least create an undock account. You can keep your Google Calendar, your Outlook Calendar. You can keep whatever scheduling tools, Acuity, or whatever it is you use for your, your business, but it will not make sense to not take the 25 seconds it takes to create an Undock account, even if you don't use it persistently, because now you are tapped into this global network, and it's just going to make the suggestions for everyone uh, for meeting times, trading times back and forth, that much better. So this, what I thought was fascinating about it and, you know, using the product now, like no one solved it right yet is, you know, yeah. the way you phrased it on your website is like the calendar is the last untapped social network yeah. that protects your most precious asset time. And you just think about it, like there's, um, you know, the calendar page companies that I have to be honest. I don't like it. Like I don't have my own because I just, I'm like, oh, now it's my job to figure out what time works best for your account. I, just, I don't know. It just sounds, seems like it's a power trip type thing where it's like, here's my link. Why don't yeah. you time? And you're like, okay, now it's my job. All right. And then I got to fill out a form and get you, you know, <laughs> just fill out a form. Like, and then you're also going, like, you have to pull up your calendar right. and then look at their time. Right you literally have to do the examination like, process. Okay. You're like, okay, that works. That does not, that work. It's, it's, it's a half step. So I think, and this is funny because Salesforce, I'm going to go back and do the history check, but I believe Salesforce was the first person to productize that functionality. And I was using it in like 2010 and 11. Um, and then players like you can book me and then Calendly and X.AI and all these others, but it's, it's an improvement. So any automation you can add to your calendar, the better, but 
one side automation does not solve the problem. Right. So that's like the the fundamental thing that like we, we have a booking page that you can use, but we don't even talk. There's It doesn't even show up on my website because I'm like, that's just like a little tiny thing that you can, you can spin that up and it works, right? But that's not solving the problem holistically. And that's what we're, exactly. we're trying to do. Yeah, no, and it's a, it's, it's a problem that every single person can relate to. So the market share for that is enormous. And <laughs> so from what I've gathered, you know, this is like a micro piece of what you're trying to do with this company. Like you're looking to, this is a huge vision. This is just kind of phase one of what you're trying to accomplish. So what, to the degree that you can share, like what, what are you thinking bigger picture? Okay. Yeah. Um, we pared down the product significantly. So I was just building, 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 building that I was going to raise funds, but, um, you know, we got into accelerator and we, we pared down the product. So yes, there is a larger vision, uh, for the product. We're going to execute on a, a much more narrow, uh, piece right now, which is first starting with scheduling, right? So all these scheduling companies exist and all they do is help you schedule. There's one or two, but most of these scheduling companies are not also calendar companies. And the ones that are have a fundamental misunderstanding of what people actually need from a new calendar, right? And this is not something that's unique to the calendaring space. It's not unique to the productivity space, but the, I don't want to call it a problem, but the problem most uh, software companies have, and then some of them end up winning out. The problem is that they think their solution has to be the end all be all, or there is nothing else. So a company comes out and they're like, hey, we're gonna replace your calendar, or we're gonna replace your email. Like Slack was one of the few that was able to do that, but they didn't replace email. They said they were gonna, but they didn't replace email. They're an adjunct to email. It's a better version for some types of conversations for email. So if you can step off of your horse for a second and say, hey, the product that I'm building is fantastic. It's the best thing in the world. Literally, everybody should use it. But how can I play nicely within the existing landscape and ecosystem to swallow up our goal? A billion users. I can think of two companies or two companies. B2B companies, you know, selling business product, Facebook, I'm a Facebook, Google and Microsoft that have those types of users. But like you said, it's a massive problem. It's a problem for everyone. If you solve it right, if you find that one little thread to, to pull on, like everybody's going to sign up for it. So um, the first thing is proving the scheduling, making sure it works and it, it works right now. And we're just barely scratching the surface of how our AI, like I don't even mention AI on the website because I don't think any user cares that your product uses AI. They just want to know it works. Um, but we're incorporating a high level, very sophisticated uh, AI into not just our suggestions, but in like the NLP algorithms and then being able to interoperate with other calendar platforms without building an integration to other calendar platforms. It's a really hard challenge and we're focusing on that. But as we're giving you this scheduling product, we're building this incredibly powerful AI, and then we're going to release a calendar in January, uh, a limited version of the calendar in January. And it's gonna incorporate some of the powerful things we've already been building, including the scheduling. But we will also make it clear that every calendar that has ever been built to this point has been done improperly. 
right? Mm-hmm. So the idea of what a calendar is in the first place, I think is wrong. So everybody goes out and say, I'm going to build a calendar company. Well, you're building something that's been around for 400 years, that's been digitized 25 years ago, but you're not actually changing it, right? So we have an idea. I could be wrong. We'll come out January like, hey, this is what we think a calendar is. Everyone's like, no, that's not it. I don't know what you're talking about. Who knows? Uh, I don't doubt, I doubt that to be the case. We've talked to a lot of users. Some people have already been testing. So I've personally been using it for over a year. Um, so the idea of what a calendar is, what a calendar event is, uh, we're definitely going to change and we'll make a very big announcement on middle of January. If you're curious enough, you can actually install Undock at undock.com today and poke around and you'll kind of get an idea of what we might think a calendar should be able to do, right? And that part is our next, uh, uh, don't want to call it a next challenge is to introduce the calendar and explain why we think the calendar, not from like a feature perspective, like this is what a calendar is supposed to do. Now it does it with Undock. After that phase, we're going to make it clear in April, I believe will be our third uh, launch event, how we are all, all of us in the business world connected. And I think I'll stop there on, on the roadmap because there's another one that we've already put the stake in the ground that's going to happen. That'll do one more connection for all of it. And then the vision will, will come together. Like we had an investor, well, an investor that did not get a chance to invest in this round after the event, like download the new version. And I've already had some conversations with him about what we were working towards. And then he opens it up and he's like, oh, I see what you're doing now. Like he had that connection. I hired a person uh, in September uh, to head up our AI. Uh, Now we have four people working on our AI. Um, And I gave her the dump of everything in the product. I opened up the old version with all the little different features and functionalities. And she is the only person that has made the connection without telling me or without me telling them. And she called me. She's like, hey, can you talk to me for a second? I'm like, yeah, sure. She calls. She's like, are you really building this? I said, yes. That is what we're building. She's like, amazing. Amazing. Let me go. I've got a ton of ideas now. I've got it. So I gave a little bit of disclosure. Like I said, we're taking this progressive disclosure uh, approach to the full breadth of what we're building. And we're super excited about it. Well, stay tuned. That's a good, good uh, teeing up for the future launch event. Cliffhanger after cliffhanger, yeah. And you just announced funding. So you uh, raised 1.6 million from, you know, just a very insane A plus <laughs> list of investors from Lara Hippo, yeah. Arlen Hamilton, like there's, I could go on and on. It's not just those, but uh, so, so yeah. what was it like raising capital in, you know, these, you know, crazy times we're living in? So the, the first couple of weeks were, it was, a, it was a challenge. It was the, it was the first last week of May is when we started. And that's when the pandemic was really, you know, taking hold. Um, there was all the civil unrest around uh, George Floyd's murder. So like, the world felt dystopian at the time. I don't know if anyone was really truly focused on anything. Like even if you're thinking like when you're making a, a venture bet, you're betting not even on the next year, two years, you're betting five years, you know, 10 years. There was so much smoke out there in the world. No one can see more than two days in front of them. Mm-hmm. Right. So making those types of decisions, um, I don't know how anything got done in that time frame, but around the middle of June, 
the dust started to settle a little bit and we were building a product and bringing it to market at a really exciting time uh, based off of the fact that everyone is now distributed. Everyone is now remote. Everyone is now using online tools and these meetings that would form from you walking by someone's desk and saying, Hey, can I, can you jump in a conference room for 20 minutes or, you know, scheduling me? Hey, is everyone free? I want like that can't happen anymore. Um, so scheduling is now an even bigger uh, problem. So I think the, the nature of the product, the timing of the release really turned the tides on investment interest. And we were able to get interest from very like, very, I want to forget Lightship Capital as well. Uh, very, very prestigious tier one uh, firms. Uh, some of them admittedly like saying, we don't jump down to this level uh, very frequently, but we, we do see what you're building. Um, and we're very interested in participating. So what advice do you have on someone that's building a company during these times where you're not necessarily doing the face-to-face interviews as one would in the past? Like, So what advice would you give to other founders on, on hiring? It's it's actually been easier for me to interview uh, this way. Number one, schedule all of your meetings with Undock. So that's an afterthought. Uh, number number two, like I think people are more comfortable and relaxed now in this setting. Whereas, like you know, you come in, you have to get all dressed up. You sit in the waiting room or lobby for some time. Like I think it's a I think it's a more natural experience to interview someone on video and not just like the initial screening call, but all of your calls on video. I think everyone is just more relaxed, which makes for, to me, makes for a better interview. I would always try my best in, in and I've, I've interviewed well over 2000 people. I always tried in like the first five minutes to relax the person and to make it a more natural conversation in person. And I don't think I have to do that on video. It just feels, at least that's my, my perception of it, that everyone is a little bit more uh, relaxed in a, a video interview. Um, so I don't, yeah, I think it's, I think it's easier. Um, other advice that I can give around that is, uh, if you're, especially for me, and I've been very, very particular about this, like I am looking, and so you need to be looking for this type of person in a startup. I'm looking for people, not for the specific skill set alone, but they have to be at that right inflection point in their career, right? So even from a designer, like it took me so long to pick a designer, not because I couldn't find someone that I thought designed better than me. I would look, I would look, I would look. I would say, is this person plateaued though? I've just looked at their portfolio from the last two, three years and it's all the same. Like they're at their plateau. Is this person looking for their next challenge? Because every day at a startup is a big challenge you're gonna get thrown something that you've never seen before um, so i think the the thing to do is to separate that person from how they are right now today and their entire experience and look more at their trajectory and if their trajectory slots right it's really hard to hire at a startup like this weekend on friday we found out we we're going to be in TechCrunch. so on friday i or maybe it was thursday friday Pull the team aside, you know, all hands said, hey, you don't have to work this weekend, but I need you this weekend and we have to fix some things. All right. And you can take as much time off as you want next week, but that's the way things are going to work around here. We need to get this done. We got some sprucing up to do here. So we did that. Like if you hire people and to, to a man, woman, person, child, uh, uh, everyone said, sure, absolutely. Right. So you have to 
be hiring staff that's ready to do that sort of thing. You have to be hiring staff. If you need people that are fully autonomous out of the gate, like don't hire a person that's not at that level in their career where autonomy is something that they want and need. So yeah. I think the trajectory and the timing of the person that you're hiring is critically important. Yeah. And then you want them leaning into your business too, where yeah. it's like, we're all in this to build a big company together. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's going to be a crazy weekend, but people should be like, this is opportunity. We're going to be in TechCrunch. We got to make sure the product is ready for prime time. So yes, absolutely. We'll totally need to have that mindset. So what, what are three apps that you can't live without and, you know, undock not being one of them? <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, right now, Discord is one. Okay. Figma is two. Hmm. And I think my team is getting me on it more and more and more. So uh, Miro, right? So we do a lot of brainstorming and I'm a big whiteboard guy. Um, there's no whiteboard sessions going on right now. So uh, Miro has been huge for us for organizing ideas in a you know less structured uh, fashion than like a Google Doc or something. It's like, no, post-its over here, drawings over here, wireframes over here. So Miro has been good. So those three are, are like powering Undock right now. Discord, Figma, and Miro. Got it. Okay. What do you do outside of work? What do you like to do for fun? I, I like making music, playing music. Um, I recently was able to get my studio out of the depths of storage, which is good. I'm um, looking right now. I got my acoustic guitar and bass guitar, electric guitar, and my a piano right there. I got another small keyboard right there. I've got drums in the other room. Nice. Um, so I really like doing that. And then design is just fun for me. So like I, I help people in my spare time, investors, in my spare time, <laughs> I help people with their like pitch decks. I'm just like, uh, it needs to be, you know, spruce stuff. Because I, I really do enjoy uh, design. It is an exercise. You just get better and better and better and better and better at it. So I'm definitely not in my final form uh, for design. So I just enjoy doing it all the time. Very cool. Well, Nash, thanks so much for taking us down the path of your professional career, all the great things you're doing with Undock. And I can't wait for the upcoming launch events because it's yes. like, I know there's more <laughs> products to be announced. So it's super exciting. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me on the program, Keith. Well, that's our show. I hope you found it useful and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get future episodes. Also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all really helps us out. Last but not least, don't forget to visit VentureFizz.com, the most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.